Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. First Corinthians chapter one. I will primarily tonight dip my bucket in the well of the Luke gospel. But I will start with Paul's writing to the church, which would follow after that horrific scene, which was the cross. It is in the 18th verse when he writes a sobering yet strengthening proclamation for the preaching of the cross. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Mm. I want us us to read this together. And I'm asking every person, whether looking at your own Bible or looking on with the screens, I want you to read this aloud with me. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I will do something that is abnormal for me. I will withhold my title for just a little while tonight. So that I might find my way into the text a little bit before I reveal what I would label as my topic for tonight but I would ask you to lift your hands and voices and pray that God might meet with us mightily here in the next few minutes would you do that I'm turning my microphone off I want you to lift your voices in prayer around this room be seated in Jesus' name. It was on June the 20th of 1877 when the blaze started. This Canadian fire which did occur in the St. John area speaks to the temperatures and where they had been setting 
in the haystack that found itself susceptible to a small strike. That singular fire in a time where buildings were primarily structured from wood turned into a fire that would devour multiple, multiple buildings. People could not find freedom from the flames. The amount of damage today seems simple. When you hear that $27,000 was the total loss, until you run $27,000 through the filter of 1877. But more devastating than the loss of buildings, homes, businesses, were the 18 souls who perished. As the fire raged on out of control, they came to the realization, we have no plan for the evacuation of our people. The people were caught in the devastating flames. Their lives were taken from them in multiple cases, not because they had to be, but because survivors could not be located in time. Please allow the brevity of those words to sink in for a moment. The survivors could not be found in time. Time is always of the essence when souls are weighing in the balance. When it's lives that are at stake... Time matters. Turn to two or three around you and tell them time matters. As often is the case, it took tragedy to implement proper protocol. Tragedy yielded proper protocol. The picture that they will place behind me here on the screen, the brick building, you will see underneath that window the white crosses that still can be seen that as a result of the 1877 fire in St. John became the standard on buildings in that area. Brother Aaron, the result was this. Place crosses outside of the windows. If there is ever a fire in the building, everyone is to go to this room and we will find them by the cross. Lead me to the cross and that is how we will save the people. Whew. February the 9th, three souls Three Cubans that had been stranded on an island. Some of you have possibly read this article. That was the result of 1877, but I flash forward to modern day in February the 9th. Three Cubans somehow survived on an uninhabited island. 
for 33 days. It was a real life castaway situation where the Coast Guard was flying over them and finally after 32 days, they flagged them down and it's hard to make out there. But the Coast Guard who finally found them said, when I looked down upon them, I saw their bright flags that they had laid out and the cross that they had built on the ground. For these Cubans, regardless of their level of churching, their proclamation upon finding was, if we place a cross, maybe we'll be saved. From generation to generation, it's always been about the cross. The cross did, the cross does, and the cross will save lives. We find our strength. We find our hope. We find our power in the cross. Good days in the cross. Bad days in the cross. From St. John to isolated islands, the cross. Canadian to Cuban, American to African. Woo! Give me the cross, and at the cross, you will find the saving power. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Who knows it? And the burdens of my heart was rolled away. Come on. It, it was there by faith. I received my sight. Before the cross, I was lost. But when I found the cross. Come on, who am I preaching to right now? I know you've heard it since you were little, but you're reminded, when I found the cross, woo, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the cross. And I know that it seems gruesome to some, but I remember it was the cross. It was, it was, it was, it is, and it will be the cross. Preach Jesus. Oh, I can't preach Jesus without the cross. You don't get the full spectrum of Jesus without the cross. I wish it were not the case, but the cross was of regularity in the time of our text. The cross was not singular to the Messiah. No, it was commonplace as a gruesome death. It seems frustrating to me that he was placed on a cross. While slightly different than many, he was still placed on a cross. A cross that historians have argued about. Placement of which has been argued about. Some raising him high and calling Mount Calvary different geographically than what it most likely was. And that was that geographical place where even the common man might pass by him. 
But it stands to reason for our understanding. The height at which he was placed was not in such a way that even on the cross he was unattainable. For a Christ that is without a cross is not a Christ at all. But he was our spotless lamb placed on that cross. I draw your attention to Luke. Luke. Go with me to Luke the 14th chapter if you will. Please follow along in this 14th chapter and let us see what verse 27 would be instructed by Christ. For it is in that 27th verse those words echoed throughout the Gospels are laid so perfectly barren before us when Jesus, regardless of the frustration that might be hitched to these words, He says, Whosoever doth not bear His cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whosoever will not do what? Bear his cross. He is referencing the instrument of graphic death preceding His own application upon it. He is bearing the cross through His life before His back in flesh ever feels the rigidity of its existence. He is giving us an understanding and an identification of what it means to really be a Christian. Because I wish, Brother Herbst, that it did not come with a weightiness, but it does. A cross that is able to sustain you must be heavy enough to bear you. If it's going to keep you up, it's going to be weighty. In recent years, the absolute phenomenon in the health industry has been CrossFit. Some of you in here have fallen prey. <clears throat> Only problem I have with that, Brother Losh, if you'll allow me to play on words as we've got a lot of Christians trying to do CrossFit. And when I say CrossFit, I know it's a play on words. But we want our cross to fit. And if your cross ever fits, it won't be big enough to suspend you. If it fits you, your cross is too casual. Hmm. If it fits you, it won't have the weight to get you up off the ground. The cross that I'm meant to bear, I will feel its weight. 
But Jesus said it is a non-negotiable attribute of this cross which I speak of. If you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to bear the cross. What I have found over the years, Brother Massengale, is that it is very hard for me to carry a cross and carry my stuff at the same time. It's hard for me to carry the cross and still carry my wants. I'm typically choosing one or the other. And in living for God, it is very much an either-or situation. There are many parts that are both and. But when it comes to living for God, it is an either-or situation. Either you will live for His kingdom or you will live for yours. There is no way to, there is no way to make that more presentable or make you happier about it. If I'm going to follow Him, then I've got to take up my I've got to feel the weight on my shoulder. And to anyone that maybe is newer to Christianity, I'm not speaking to the physical structure, but I will pause long enough to remind you that every cross that was hewn from wood started as a seed. Before it was ever chopped down, before it was ever drawn from the trunk of a tree, before it was ever formulated by some rough hewning of the saw and pulled into a place where it could be placed in that public arena for people to walk by in the absolute mockery. It, it bothers me to consider the horrific way in which he died, but it started as a seedling that hit the ground one day. And every person in this room, your cross is probably somewhat contingent upon how long your seedling has been growing. But when you make up your mind to follow Christ, it is imperative that you take up the cross. You take up the cross. I cannot be a disciple if I have no cross of prayer. You can be a churchgoer, but not a Christian. I cannot be a disciple if I never fast. I cannot be a disciple, please hear me right now, if I never reach for a soul. Well, I'm too shy, Pastor, you don't understand. Then that's your cross. It is your cross to bear, for one day we will in fact be judged. That's, it's not my desire to be harsh in any way. Please hear what I'm saying. Please try to hear my heartbeat. But if I look at these references and I consider the saving power of the cross, I would speak to any person in this room and remind you what you cannot find in yourself, you can find in the power of the cross. Somebody just shout amen if you can bear witness to that. And Jesus said, I, I, I need you to understand this. It, it won't always be easy. In fact, most often it won't be easy. And, and I'm going to just boil this down. You're going to be hated for my name's sake. And maybe that's the cross for you. Maybe the cross for somebody in this room right now is that you're living for God and you thought after a powerful prayer that your family would stop isolating you and making you feel like the black sheep of the family and making you feel like you weren't welcome around the house anymore, but yet you've prayed and you're still isolated. To which I tell you, if that's your cross, then bear the cross. Bear the cross. 
I'll never forget the moment when I walked out of that convenience store. I was a young man. I was a young man, and there was one of those candy dispensers. <clears throat> but it had no candy in it. Had those little knickknacks, little token things. I wanted to figure out what it was. Got a little closer to it. I was frustrated that it wasn't runts. If you don't know what runts are, may God bless you. I got down real close to it. Sister D. Giovanni, when I got down close to it, I saw what was in these tiny little, you know these little tiny plastic bubbles that stuff comes in, little, had the little lid you can't get off till you use your teeth. And <laughs> then they crack slightly and pinch your lip. You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> in all different shapes and sizes, there were pretend golden crosses. 25 cents a pop. Little cross necklace you could buy. I stood frozen. Stood frozen as a young man in the foyer of that store. It wasn't supposed to be such a moment for me, but it was weighty enough that here I am, this decades later talking to you about it. I stood there, and it was as if the Lord spoke to me in that moment. And if not, he, he at least stirred something in me when I found myself challenged. This is what we've turned the cross into. We call it a symbol of our faith, but really it's 25 cents a pop. Not gold, it's fake gold. Forgive me, I'm going to take my liberty for a second. We've turned crosses into earrings. Necklaces, little gems on bracelets. We've turned it into minute declarations of some type of faith. We've made our, we've made our crosses small enough to wear as accents. Whew, buddy, I feel something right now. We're in a world that wants a Christ without a cross. And I'm here to tell you, Calvary, if we're going to draw people and if God is going to save lives, they're looking for a cross. And I do not want to give some watered-down version of the cross. Come on, help me right now. I don't want to give some less than original, weaker, insignificant version of what it was. It was bloody. It was gruesome. It was diabolical. But it was powerful. It was at the cross where he hung. It was at the cross where he died. But it was at the cross where he carried away the sins of the world. And I understand that it might have been centuries ago, but one trip to the cross in 2021 will still eradicate every sin. I said one trip to the cross in 2021. Well, you, you don't understand what they've been through. You don't know the perversion in their family. One trip to the cross in 2021. 
Yeah, well, they've been a drunk for the last 20 years. Listen to me. One trip to the cross. Not some make-believe version of the cross. Not some watered-down fairy tale. But the cross of Jesus. Brother Turner, I can't get away from it. Here I I don't want a fake cross, but give me the cross of Jesus. I want the one where the blood was spilling down. I want the one where his feet hung limp. I want the cross. (laughs) Because when I run to the cross, I'm reminded of his sacrifice. When I run to the cross, I'm reminded of the price that he paid. When I run to the cross, I remember that it is futile for me to try to live for my own gain. Would you throw your hands towards heaven in here and ask God to baptize us with a fresh love for the cross? Uh, and it is why it is why we do not look at crosses where Christ or an image of Christ still hangs I don't want to offend you but he's not on that cross Is this too basic? Is this okay? We don't put crosses in our homes where Christ is still on the cross. He's not on the cross. He was on the cross, but the cross didn't kill him. Just in case we missed that. The Bible says he yielded up the ghost. He crawled on the cross to carry the sin. But he decided when enough was enough. He decided when too much was too much. Turn in your Bibles over a couple of chapters in Luke. My, my, my. We need the cross, don't we? Luke 22. Luke 22, start at verse 41. He was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. One of my friends was talking about this text and he said, I love... Brother, Brother Sullivan was preaching about this. He said, a stone's cast because it's relative to you. Brother Matthews, I grew up playing ball. I used to be able to throw a, a ball a long ways. I could stand in the outfield and fire it to home plate. <clears throat> Today, <laughs> I need the cutoff man. <laughs> if I try to throw too hard, my shoulder... I still feel it. I feel it just thinking about it. (laughs) 
Your ability to throw that stone is different than mine. And my friend rattling through this text, he said when we tried to decipher how far was a stone's cast, he said it boils down to it was far enough for him to be alone for prayer. Whatever distance you need to get alone and pray. He is on the precipice of the cross. What the disciples could still not figure out in his foreknowledge, he could already feel the splintering reality. He gathers alone, withdrawn from them about a stone cast. He kneeled down and he prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. If there's any word in the entire Scripture that you ought to be thankful for, it's that word right there. Nevertheless. Not my will, not what my flesh wants, not what my mind wants in this moment, but thine be done. Watch this, verse 43. And there appeared unto him an angel. Luke records this when others did not. There appeared unto him an angel from heaven. What did it do? Strengthened him. How many believe that the Lord sends angels? How many believe that there are oft times we entertain angels unaware? The angel from heaven comes and begins to strengthen him. And being in agony, he prayed. Please catch that. The chronological order of the events. Just because the angel came, the pain did not leave. I thought when God sent the reinforcements that the suffering would end. No. It hasn't been fulfilled yet. We cannot yet cry it is finished. You can't cry it's finished until you've gone through the entire process. And here he is in agony. He prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down in actual human condition that can occur. He's praying. He's agonizing his sweat, as it were. Great drops of blood falling, falling, gruesome, falling, gruesome, falling. And when he rose from prayer, he comes to the disciples and they are sleeping 
sleeping while he's agonizing. Because they were still followers without crosses. To truly share with Christ is to share in His agony, not only His astonishment. Buddy, I feel that for somebody right now. His agony, not only His astonishment. Now walk with me. Just just one more chapter. Go Go to Luke 23. Little Bible study here tonight. Sorry, not sorry. Here we go. We're on our journey. We're on our journey. They've got him whipped. They've got him beaten. Verse 24 said that Pilate gave sentence. Verse 25, they released unto them him for sedition and that murderer cast into prison whom they had desired. We know when given a choice, they did not choose Christ, but they cried for Barabbas. Verse 26. And as they led him away, they laid hold on one Simon. That Cyrenian, that that dude named Simon that was coming out of the country And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. On him they laid the cross. Give me a few minutes to preach that to you right now. On him they laid the cross. Jesus, how can you tell me in chapter 14 that unless I bear my cross, I cannot be your disciple, but history will record that someone else helped you carry your own? If you've never considered it, then I ask you to consider it tonight. Christ was teaching the principle of the unity of bearing one another's burdens with His own gruesome walk to His own fleshly finality. For it was not within the power of His flesh any longer in case we ever try to over-deify or turn His flesh into something less than actual humanity, we are left with the puzzling picture of the fact he could no longer carry it. And all kinds of commentators and authorities on Scripture have tried to rifle through the passages and try to teach us why he needed a helper. And some have placed it on his strength or his lack thereof. And some have placed it on the expedience with which they needed to get him to the cross. And some have said, what if he dies on the way? And they are charged themselves after being commanded to get him on a cross. He cannot die here, but we've got to get him to the place where he is meant to be hung and somehow in the culmination of it all. But I might, I might submit to you tonight that in His infinite wisdom, God so drew it up. 
that there'd be a man from that African country that would be walking in at just the right time. Whose skin tone was not the same, but whose mission could become exact. And dovetailed in a moment, Cyrene who seems to look, or Simon from Cyrene who seems to be puzzled when we first look upon his face, maybe inquisitive in his own understanding, just kind of immediate reaction, but without hesitation at the appeal of those soldiers, he himself is now forced to carry the staggering weight of that cross beam as it were. And he grabs a hold of that cross. And he begins to drag that. I don't know if it spoke to his strength. I don't know if his biceps were bulging. I don't know if it seemed as though he was readily uh, uh, powerful or simply readily available. I, I'm not sure exactly. I don't get that in the text. What happens? That Here's what I know. He was there and he was willing. And so... The Lamb of God, the Lamb of God, all of a sudden seems to get dovetailed in His eternal plan. Watch this. His eternal plan seems to get dovetailed with an ultimately insignificant player. How is it possible? Talk to me about His ability and where He falls from. And I understand for some of the scholars in the room, you want to try to work through the chronological order of this and deal with some of the possibilities. You hear me right now. He was not a big enough player to be significant. But He was humble enough to be available. He was in the right place at the right time. And it would be forever recorded in history that He would just take that cross. And he would follow after, cross, after Christ. Now watch this. The fact that Christ was not carrying it did not exclude it from being his. He just needed a little help getting there. He just needed a little help from a brother whose skin tone was a little differently pigmented. He just... In his flesh, not in his deity. Not in his deity. Because I don't care what anybody in this room might think or believe. He could have called that host of angels. I think they were sitting. I think they were swords drawn. I think they were ready. I think Michael sat on the edge of it all and said, Give me the word. But instead, Jesus said, I'm not, I'm not going to cut the process short. And so Simon is gathered to help bear the cross. But we started this thing tonight in Paul's address to the church at Corinth. And we're closer to the church at Corinth than we are at Calvary right now. Uh, than we would be at that, at that place on the road. So let me address you as a church as Paul did to the church at Corinth. When he looked at them and said that to them that perish, it's foolishness. But not to us. Go back, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That opening text. The preaching of the cross is to them 
that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved. It's the power of God. But Brother Staten, can I just be honest with you? Sometimes this preaching feels heavier than I can handle. Sometimes it's a lot easier to say amen than it is to live it. I don't think I'm preaching to myself right now. I, sometimes, sometimes if you'd listen closely, you'd hear the weightiness of the pulpit dragging behind me. And if people could hear close enough into your family, they'd know it's one thing to get dressed up for church. But it's another thing to feel the weight of the preaching of this cross in your house. It preaches good here, but it drags heavy in this world. It preaches good amongst all the Pentecostals, but it drags heavy at work. When you go home and have to wrestle the reality of a broken marriage, you have to wrestle the reality of your loneliness. You've got to wrestle the reality of the fact that you love God and you're trying to bear a cross and you're trying to honor the preaching of the gospel, but your own kids don't talk to you right. And it's weightiness drags behind you. That's what the body is for. Because every now and then... Brother Mast, I need a brother or a sister. When you see the preaching is too much for me, I need you to come help me bear my cross a little bit. And I need you to encourage me. And I need you to just come with me and nudge me a little forward every now and then. But don't let me retreat and don't let me walk away from my cross. But you just... Don't let me leave the preaching of the cross. But every now and then, I need you to come up to me and I need you to grab it and I need you to just say, you can make it. You can do it. You can live for God. And I, I don't feel like I can because my life is tired and I'm, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. And Brother Mass, you don't understand. I've been trying to live. There's... There's people in this room right now. Nobody else knows it, but the preaching of the cross, while you love it, it is the weightiest thing in your life. And the devil has tried to lie to you and tell you if you'll abandon your faith, if you'll just go ahead and give in, if you'll just go ahead and walk away from, it's not that you wonder what the cross is for you. For most of us in the modern day church, the cross is on display through the preaching of the cross. And so I need a brother or I need a sister that will come behind me when I'm too weak when I'm too weary. And while others, listen, while others might look around and say, wait a minute, why isn't, why isn't he carrying his own cross? Can you believe that Jesus doesn't have his own cross? Can you believe that pastor needs help? No man, no woman, 
No young person, no child in this room was designed to make it on your own. And I got good news for you. Look around this place. You're not in this by yourself. But if I live my life trying to impress you, I'll be too embarrassed to let you help me carry it. So I'll try to drag it on my own and I'll take my chances of letting it kill me before I get to the final destination. I need you to love me enough to come up and say, let me help you. Let me... Let me help you. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven all over this house right now. Let me. We got to come alongside some marriages. We got to come alongside some other men. We, we got to come alongside some ladies. We got... Young people, we got to get out of competition with each other and help bear the cross with one another. You can live holy, but you don't have to live holy on your own. You can live righteous, but you don't have to live righteous on your own. You can live pure, but you don't have to live pure on your own. You're not in this by yourself. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us... I feel a heavenly weight in this room right now. I want you to stand with me and lift your hands and I feel a divine interruption right now. I want us to just, I want somebody to wade into it right now. I want somebody to wade into the presence of God right now. <sighs> On Him they laid the cross. Yeah. Come on, if he's giving you a burden for a friend, it's because he's trusting you enough to let you help bury. Come on, bury. Bury your own lack of confidence. Bury your own insecurity. Bury your own ego. And help them carry that cross. Come on, who's close to you in your life? What person does God keep laying on your heart? What person does God keep putting in your mind? Come on, Simon, I'm talking to you right now. Who's the Simon of Cyrene in this house? Another's burdens. When I'm tired, help me carry. When I'm weary, help me carry. 
when I'm downtrodden, help me carry him. Woo. Woo. If you're willing to help somebody carry a cross, I want you to come stand at the front. Don't pray yet. I'm going to release you in a minute. But if you're willing, if you're willing, I want you to come to the front. I want you to just stand at the altar. Come here, Brother Mass. Bring that up here. There is a twofold process at play. I know not everyone can come. I'm sorry. I apologize. I know not everyone can. IBC students, I want you to make your way to the edge of the balcony if you're willing. That's your altar right now. Brother Turner, I want you to take a crew of staff up to pray for our IBC students. Hear me right now. There is a twofold process at play. Yes. Simon had to be willing to accept. Please hear this while you're coming. Yes, Simon had to be willing to accept. But Christ put on display His willingness to let him. Catch that. Christ put on display His willingness through example to allow someone to help. Some of you walked to the front because you wanted to help carry when the truth is you came because you really desperately need somebody to help you. And I know that some of us in here want to help somebody else. And I don't mean offense to you because nobody knows who I'm talking to, but you do know if I'm talking to you. And the truth is you can't help anybody because you need help. But can I tell you the true secret of this? In allowing them to help you, you are helping them. You are helping them. Whether you're the one that's meant to help carry or you're the one that needs help carrying, I want every person in this room to throw your hands towards heaven. And I want you to pray that a serving spirit would come upon us right now. That a baptism of it...